0: Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Development Hell. For every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong, and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Korngut. I am the managing editor of Dread Central. I am also a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Development Hell. We are discussing Halloween 3. We all love it. We all know it. But we're also gonna dig into what I think is a potential follow-up slash sequels. We've got a project today to discuss by the name of Silver Shamrock Novelties. As our guest, we have its creator, Craig Lowe. Craig, how's it going? That
1: was really that was a great intro. The build-up. Uh-huh. And then mm-hmm. it came to me and I I was a jump scare that hadn't happened. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, you close the medicine cabinet and I'm just sort of standing. Oh,
0: classic, classic. <laughs> how, exactly. are you, how are you doing today, Craig?
1: I am wonderful for this Michael Myers Monday. Um, <laughs> how are you?
0: I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Craig, I want you to do me this big favor and introduce yourself to the Development how audience.
1: Thank you, dokey. Uh, well, hello, g'day. My name is Craig Lowe. I'm an Australian writer, producer, director. I make... Currently a bunch of horror shorts, and uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about a little concept we were working on today, I think for the past year though, we've been working on it, called Silver Shamrock Novelties, and honestly, I don't think I've I've ever worked on anything more expensive.
0: Wow, well, <laughs> you're, you're in the IP realm now. Have you ever worked on a pre-existing property before? No, which was very tedious, because... You can't just
1: go to the, Trankus owns Halloween and Blumhouse, yep. to, you know, they developed the last ones with Danny McBride, I think. Um, <laughs> but you can't just walk in there and be like, hey, can I just play with your ideas? Because they're immediately going to be like, no. So we were like, "Yeah, know, we, we should probably make it all and then go back to them. So that's sort of what we did, but we did it in a way where We haven't stolen or used anything from there, so we can't really get sued. But that's what Mm -hmm. my lawyer says. But we'll see how the next
0: six months go, you know? People that are listening to this podcast have probably caught on to what Silver Shamrock Novelties is referring to. But I'd like you to let us know, what is this uh, project going to be a follow-up to? What movie? It's going to be a follow-up
1: to Halloween 3, Season (laughs) of the Witch, the 1982 Tommy Lee Wallace classic featuring (laughs) none other than Tom Atkins. Ours was set 40 years after the events of the third Halloween movie that's a little polarizing. Some people really, really love Halloween Season of the Witch. Some really, really don't. And those people don't have
0: taste. They absolutely don't. Okay, Craig, would it be okay with you if I took a little bit of time, sort of gave people a bit of a seminar on Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, in case they maybe don't remember all of the nitty gritty details?
1: If it's half as good as that intro, I'm strapped in.
0: Halloween 3 season of the witch 1982 third installment of the halloween movies as we've mentioned it was written and directed by our friend tommy lee wallace john carpenter deborah hill these are the masterminds behind the first halloween and halloween 2 they are back again as producers but shockingly halloween 3 is the only entry of this entire halloween canon that doesn't feature our friend michael myers people were like why why is he not here we're so confused and it was a bit of a disappointment. It, people didn't like it. It did okay at the box office. But over time, the, the tides changed to some degree and people started to appreciate it a little bit more once they sort of <laughs> acclimatized to the fact that, you know, Michael Myers isn't in this one. It features a totally different type of story, which we'll get into a little bit later, I think. What's your relationship with Halloween 3? How did you first get into it? So, oh, this is going to be random.
1: I was uh, producing on a show called uh, El Rey Nation. It was on the El Rey Network, which Robert Rodriguez owned. It was a pop culture show. It was super duper fun. Basically, four nerds sit around a table, talk about pop culture stuff. So it just feel like you were chilling out in the basement. And the four cast members we had on this show were unbelievable when it came to knowledge of the genre. But but they were on the show and they started talking about Halloween 3 season of The Witch. And I was like, (laughs) I've never seen this thing. And Cameron Rice was like, well, do yourself a favor, go and check it out. And I did. And I was like, this is the greatest movie of all time because it's just a, it's a melting pot of incredibly cool, crazy concepts, which... If you're on board, he pulls them off. But if you're not on board, I can see why you'd be a little bit deterred. But yeah, <laughs> I I found out from Cameron. I loved the colour. I thought the synth over the top was beautiful. I thought the way they kept it all inside just Santa Mira, this tiny little Celtic town, which super didn't make any real sense, but it kind of doesn't have to. It's a nineteen eighty two horror movie. But it was <laughs> fantastic. So I watched it. I came back to Cameron and I was like, this thing's incredible. And he's like, Yeah. And I was like, no, it's like the best movie ever. And he's like, no, I wouldn't go that far. And then, <laughs> what, like six years later now, I've got a Halloween 3 tattoo, and then I made Silver Shamrock Novelties, and uh,
0: yeah, might have wow, gone a little you're bit you're overboard. Wow, you're full in. It, yeah. For, for in. the uninitiated, if I had put a gun to your head, how would you describe this movie? What is it about? And I'm talking um, about the original Halloween 3. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the original Halloween 3 season of The Witch, uh, it's about an amazing doctor called Dr. Daniel Chalice, who is investigating a guy who's come into his hospital uh, being chased by a cyborg robot, which doesn't make sense, but it will in a bit. Now, the cyborg blows himself up at the hospital. Dr. Daniel Chalice is like, what's this about? The girl comes and it turns out her dad was killed by the cyborg and she links up with Chalice and they're like yo, we don't look like we'd have any chemistry, let's hit the road. And they do. They head to Santa Mira where everyone is Irish and then some people aren't, which also doesn't make sense but who cares? Let's keep mm-hmm. moving on. Uh, then out of nowhere they sleep together by the way which I don't know if <laughs> it seems like a really it's a weird Hail Mary that they throw in the movie but it happens like 40 minutes in and you're like, I ah, didn't see that coming. Uh, yeah, and then they yeah. try and break into this factory that sells cursed Halloween masks that all link up to a television commercial and melt children's faces. Mm. And it ties into Halloween and a guy called Connell Cochran, who might have something to do with aliens. We're not too sure.
0: Interesting. I feel like you did a pretty good job summarizing the impossible. So really, congratulations. I feel like you have been paying special attention to this movie. I can tell. Um, You know what's weird? It's Mm. like three movies in one.
1: When I go to explain (laughs) it, I'm like, yeah, you could talk about Chalice's story. You could talk about Cochrane's. You could talk about how it has nothing to do with Halloween. Although I think Michael Myers is in it like briefly in that bar scene.
0: Yeah, on TV, right? They're like, play a commercial for Halloween, which is very confusing.
1: Very confusing. I think that also pissed off a lot of people when that originally happened as well. Maybe not <laughs> as much as people are pissed off right now at Halloween Ends, but people were
0: pissed. <laughs> I'm going to make you talk about Halloween Ends, so just apologies in advance. Something that I like, <laughs> something that I always find super interesting about Halloween 3 is that John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, to my understanding, always wanted to make the Halloween series a spooky Halloween night anthology where every chapter would be a different scary story that took place on the holiday. But then Michael Myers was so successful, so they agreed to do a second one. And then when they made the third one, they started to do the anthology route. And that, I'm sorry, is like like extraordinarily confusing because there's already two Michael Myers movies and he's so popular. But I really wish I could have seen where it could have gone, where the different stories could have been.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd still sign up for a John Carpenter anthology series. We sort of hint at it in Silver Shamrock novelties where we were like, well, maybe there could still be room to do an anthology-style something in here with Halloween. So we kind of have a little bit of something of that in the thing we made, but I... (laughs) Yeah, you are right. It was super confusing to drop a third one that's an anthology. If you've already dropped two and everyone's super canon and into Michael Myers, which mm-hmm. they very much were into by then. And also, I thought number two was a great way to do a sequel to just literally pick up where the first one picks,
0: b- picks off. That didn't make yeah, any sense. Yeah, number two is killer. As a kid, before you know, I understood what made the series so great, because I think it's pretty mature, I like number two more. Number two is a little more fast-paced, it's more of a slasher film. It kind of has that Friday the 13th, like, post Friday the 13th energy, and I like a hospital setting. A hospital is a (laughs) scary-ass setting, so I appreciated that. Um, Yeah, agreed. A lot of people love Halloween 3. Not not everybody, but a lot of people, the people that love it, love it a lot, and I'm wondering, why do you think that is? Why is this such a cult favorite?
1: I think because Tom Atkins seems like the kind of actor you would run into at the airport, and he wouldn't be a dick. Mm. So <laughs> he's instantly got that humble. You see him, and you're like, ah, oh, you're a cool dude. And then I don't think <laughs> number three takes itself super seriously. Now I know that mm. there's a place in horror currently elevated horror. I mean, we got to you know Oof. jack up the the seriousness, but. I think Halloween 3 is kind of so fucking batshit crazy that you can't help but be like, yeah, fuck it, cyborgs, let's do it. And that's why Uh I jumped on board. I'm like, the moment I saw a laser fire into a woman's head and split it open, I was like, yeah, here it is. (laughs) This This is is it. This is cinema. This is what it's about. Thank you, Halloween
0: 3, 100%. Yeah. Someone recently said on Twitter, I forget who, that Halloween 3 is the most disturbing of all the Halloween films I have to say, I kind of resonate with that. Not because it's yeah. actually disturbing, but there are some very gruesome moments in this. Um, do you want? To, can we just talk for a second about like the nastiness of this movie? Does anything stand out to you specifically?
1: I mean, we all know the iconic, <laughs> the <laughs> pumpkin mask kid staring into the television abyss. If you have if you ha- if you haven't seen Halloween three, if you simply type in Halloween three. That death comes up because I think it's I think it's as disturbing as a large Marge. You know, I think it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it,
0: it's <laughs> up there
1: it's up there the first time you saw Chucky scream uh-huh. and run and he's all like, Fuck you, bitch. You're like, Oh, okay, yep, not okay. terrified. You know, all those moments Yeah.
0: Hit.
1: once you see a child's face melt into bugs, spiders and snakes and his parents don't really help, by the way. They just sort of no, kick it in no. the back.
0: <laughs> they just no. sit
1: on the sofa in the back like, oh, this is wild. We're going to have to make another one of those kids.
0: <laughs> and then well, at least they can.
1: Everyone dies. And then you're like, yeah. oh, that sucks. But maybe what's better is maybe Tom Atkins' reaction to it. Because you can could, you could maybe see they didn't really tell him what he was staring into. He's staring at the TV and then he's like, oh, that fucking sucks. <laughs> it's like you mean I mean the kid's head, yeah,
0: he's really doing his best, he's really committing the best that he can, and I appreciate that, yeah. um, yeah, this movie is insane, something that i I forgot a little bit about was how directly Stonehenge is involved in this, and I not long ago rewatched Troll Two and Stonehenge was like the evil root in that as well, so I'm just like I all these movies were trying to tell us that Stonehenge is evil, and I think maybe we should have listened.
1: Well, we, yeah. I mean, Stonehenge is, it's probably due for something. We wrote it in to our pitch for Silver Shamrock as why, you know, just some lore and background as to how it all came to tie in. Because I think that was honestly the funnest part about attempting to write something of quality and pitch something of quality that was a direct sequel to this Because mm-hmm. I knew when we were making it, uh, you know, if people saw it and they didn't like it, they were going to be a little bit offended because a lot of people love this thing. You can't just take property people love and fuck it up. But when we made it, we were like, oh, maybe we could answer this question and maybe this ties in with this. I know that's how I felt when I was making it down to the details of, well, this would be here for that and then that will tie in with that, that sort of stuff was a lot of fun and that's where stonehenge came in so my lord that we put into the back of it was that something's inside stonehenge and it's all connected and common mm. comes from stonehenge but then so,
0: uh-huh.
1: yeah yeah uh, no, I, that's it i'm gonna leave you hanging
0: oh <laughs> I, I like that now because now i just need to know more and my next question for you is can you give me like a an elevator pitch for silver shamrock novelties What, like, what's going on in this project? I'm dying to know.
1: You know what? Let me just read it because I get too excited. (laughs) I love that. And then I just yell it at people. (laughs) Let's hear it. Here's the logline, guys. Logline. Halloween night, 1982. A mysterious chemical fire tears through the Silver Shamrock Novelty's factory, leaving the town of Santa Mira declared abandoned with over 100 missing inside. Ooh, Josh, well, that's spooky already. Mm-hmm, you am know? I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared. 40 years later, a kidnapping in the nearby town of Haggis Hill opens old wounds and forces five childhood friends to face what happened the night no one came home. There you go. Wow. So... What I've created is an adjacent town to Santa Mira and all their friends and family had to go the night that the factory blew up and a lot of them never returned home. They all declared Santa Mira basically like a Chernobyl and then 40 years later, a group of friends are like, you know what, we're not going to be scared of this place and no, more. No. let's jump the fence and go and see what's going on inside. And let me tell you, it all falls to shit very quickly. But we wanted to shoot it like a wanna like 1917 style of just like five people, Mad Max Fury Road style, trying to get through Santa Mira fighting cyborgs and whatnot.
0: So could you tell me a little bit about your lead characters in this movie? Uh, so the lead
1: is a guy called Cooper and he has a bit of a fuck up brother called Riley. Both twins, one's a cop, the other one heads out to LA to try and make it big. Neither of them are happy about their lives. Cooper is also with Bonnie, who is the granddaughter of the auto body shop. Um, you all seen it from Season of the Witch if you've seen that movie. Basically, those guys are dealing with the fact that they all grew up without dads and they're all kind of figuring out life on their own. Um, mm mm-hmm. That was sort of the basis for it, but it's not a macho movie, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that made sense.
0: No, it absolutely makes sense. I want to fem it up. So, no, it, I understand completely.
1: You know, that's what made Freddy Krueger so special. <laughs> like,
0: My I, God. I,
1: you know, <sighs> it was weirdly sensitive in a way. You are watching a whole bunch of teenagers figure out life while Dickhead was chasing them around with, you know, needle fingers. No thanks.
0: And he had to have been gay because that personality, that sense of humor, you know. I, 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 That has to be coming from a queer person I just have to say it yeah, um,
1: You can't raz that hard right Before you <laughs> notice someone and just, Yeah you and have just...
0: the taste And the fashion So something I'm dying to know about And you can tell me as much as you're comfortable with But what has your pre-production journey been like Have you been able to pitch anyone What has it been like on the other side of the curtain
1: uh, It's actually been Pretty fun Slash pretty easy Slash pretty nothing So we made it all. Uh, The developing of it was a lot of fun. Uh, It it took like 15 of us to pull this thing together. It starts, stars D. Ray Davis, who's also um, a writing partner. So his production company put money behind it. We took a year to build everything, including, uh, I'll say this much, we rebuilt the Silver Shamrock Factory using a soundstage out in Playa Vista over here in LA. So we built it to look like (laughs) the Silver Shamrock Factory has been closed down for 40 years. So we had to fill it with cobwebs and create cyborgs. And I chiseled a 12 foot piece of styrofoam to look like a piece of uh, the um, Stonehenge. So a lot Mm -hmm. of it was really fun. That side of building and creating is always fun. The meeting stuff is always really quick and really ambivalent so we've finished the pitch deck which i think is like 27 pages i wrote the movie treatment it's like another 30 pages so everyone knows what it'll look like we made the proof of concept which is i think we're gonna post i think it's online now i'm not sure i'm not sure who's aware of what's it doing um But then we sent it over to Blumhouse. Uh, Ryan Turek, who is a really lovely guy, uh, he was like, uh, Blum is no longer making Halloween stuff. The Halloween Ends was officially Halloween Ends for those guys. Uh, So they were like, dope, but we can't do anything with it. It belongs to Trankus and Halloween. We sent it over to Trankus, and those guys have been obviously extremely busy uh (laughs) dropping their movie last week um so they were like hey this looks great we're going to review it as soon as we've dropped our stuff so who knows man it's sitting with the development gods more than likely i would say nothing's gonna happen but the optimistic me says if i win an academy award within 10 years i could probably get it off the ground
0: so what has been fan response when you, when fans get a whiff of this what are the, what are they saying to you
1: i've only showed it to you <laughs> and one other person online who knows the Halloween franchise oh. really. Like Vanessa and Cameron both really, really liked it because they got me on to Halloween 3. But we haven't been able to show anyone yet this mm-hmm. thing at all. Um So That's I right. don't know. I know how much I love it. It's got a bunch of John Carpenter tie-ins. It's got a bunch of Halloween tie-ins. It'll answer some questions and raise some questions. What the proof of concept is that we made is just – what the opening scene of the movie would be. So you'll be like, wait, what's going on here? And that's that's, that's what we've made. And honestly, it was a blast. I'm not sure if I'm going to get my ass torn out like the Halloween ends guys are right now, more than likely, <laughs> because that's the internet and it's an awesome place for everyone to jump online and share their opinions, which need uh-huh. to be heard. <laughs>
0: Hey, at least we are talking about it. I was a little worried that the third film might get a little lost in the shuffle, but <laughs> not at all. We no. The Halloween conversation is as strong as it ever has been.
1: Yeah, I mean, what a weird time. I, you know what's good? At least people are passionate. That's one thing we can all take away,
0: you know? And, you know, now that these three movies are out of the way and there's maybe a bit of a sour taste in people's mouth, it may be the perfect time for something like this, where you're continuing the Halloween lore or spirit, but in a totally fresh and different way, but in a way people remember.
1: Yeah, I mean, what we've made is just something... I mean, it's live action animation, so we've blended all the, the love and care of stuff that we, we really dig from like a, a creep show and those sorts of shows and Who Framed Roger Rabbit and we blended it in with some really great stuff from Santa Mira and definitely some things people will really really did we originally wanted to make it as a live action six-part series style thing but i don't know cool. it works better as a, as a feature and i think seeing a halloween movie done as a wanna would be really really tight
0: i mean i'd, I'd be there opening night no doubt about that um Hell i like yeah. the, the name Silver Sh- and rock novelties it's great was there ever any other names on the docket that you were playing around with
1: yeah we were gonna call it uh halloween three
0: two i love that as well <laughs>
1: Look, Uh, I I don't take anything that super seriously, I mean, horror is so much fun, and it was so much fun making this thing, and I mean, I poured my heart and soul into it, and I know it's probably going to get seen by 12 people and shat on by 18,000, and that's the beauty of the beast, I'll keep Mm -hmm. moving on and making more horror stuff, but fuck me, making Halloween stuff is so much fun.
0: I like, I have to say, I love this project and I really hope that fans get to see it eventually cause it's fun as hell.
1: And we'll see, and Josh, thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat with me about it and being, I think maybe literally the first person to see it and be like, wow, cool. And that meant the world to me. So thank you, oh, babe. Yeah.
0: The second I got this pitch, I was like, this is, has to be an episode. Cause I love this movie and I know that fans are gonna be interested in listening. Craig, where can people find you on the internet if you want to be found? Uh, I don't.
1: Leave me alone. <gasps> oh I will get God. restraining orders out against every one of mm-hmm. you. No, I'm, <laughs> on, I'm on Instagram, <laughs> Lowy Live. Uh, I used to do stand-up comedy until I realized I'm not uh, funny. So now I just <gasps> I make horror. So Lowy Steph. Live would be the link there. And then I'm not on Twitter and I'm not on Facebook um, because I just like posting really colorful photos because I'm 10.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Development Hell. If you enjoy this podcast, then please do us a major favor of leaving us five stars and writing a positive review. It really makes all the difference in the world. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode of Development Hell. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that.